I mean, it says it's recording. I'm going to keep this part in. Oh, my. Yeah. Hey, everybody. What's going on? So we have been asking, pleading, begging, and, well, people have been reaching out, actually, before that. I know. About being guests on our podcast. That's right, everybody. They listened to the pod. We made sure. And (laughs) they said, I want to hang out with you guys. Yeah. Still can't figure out why. I'm I'm still debating that. Yeah. So. I mean, we we, heard, we we talked to John and David. That was a very interesting roller coaster ride. That was fun. This one, we're gonna go to the good side, guys. So there's probably not as much making fun of Brandon and the relationship with his mom. Um, <laughs> a lot less yeah. of a dirty content. We we picked more of a cleaner artist. I would say pretty clean, crisp, clean, and um, yeah. Yeah. Really, really good artist here. Yeah. No thing really thing. I shouldn't get above a uh, mild Disney-ish level. We'll go Marvel level. There you go. Not Deadpool, just Marvel. Okay. Um, and uh, no, no guarantees, but we'll try. We'll see. Um, so with that being said, we have Jory with us today. So Jory, I'm gonna let you kind of go on. What are we doing today? Hello. So Hi. I'm. I'm so happy to be here. And it's funny that you say you were begging and pleading people because I feel like I'm this weird fangirl who was like, can I be on your podcast? Because <laughs> I've been listening to so many podcasts in quarantine because it makes my extrovert self feel like I have two or three friends with me there, you know, when I'm like listening in on their conversation. Um, so yeah, I sent you guys three albums to choose from and you chose the one we're covering today, which is Southern Voice by Tim McGraw. Yep. We did. That was, that yeah, was... we went, we went country again. We did. Yes. Well, Steve, you said you like country. So, and oh. this to me is like really good country. So I'll, I'm curious to know your thoughts. This is, this is much better country than the previous country album that we did. So we're going to hope we bring some of the country back into the podcast here. There you go. So right. not poor Luke Bryan. Don't, don't defend him. <laughs> so Jory, why, so of the three that you gave us, why did why was this one on on the list? Okay, okay. So I have a good story that goes with this album. And what made me think of it is in an earlier episode, Brandon, you had mentioned you were dating someone and you broke up and you had concert tickets with them. <laughs> yeah. You kept the concert tickets. Sure so did. What happened with me. I was like I was really young, like I couldn't drive yet. And I was dating this guy. So I put dating in quotation marks because you know, when you're 15, you're like, this is my boyfriend. Uh, But this kid, he got me concert tickets for Christmas. So we were dating, it's December. He gives me tickets to go see Tim McGraw, but not just the two of us with his whole family. So his parents helped him pay for it. Cause I don't know how you pay for that when you're 15. unless You have like a really good job mowing lawns or something. Right. But um, it off now, mom and dad. That's true. So he gives me the tickets in December, and then around like January, I start to get like the itch where you're like, I think I liked the idea of dating you better than I actually liked dating you. And you're 15, so you know your moods change rapidly. Yeah. So I broke up with him, and I'm like, you should keep the concert tickets and just take a friend. And I think he was trying to be like this, like 
hero stud guy and he's like no no I bought the tickets for you and I want us to have this experience together as friends oh <laughs> that sounds like a 15 year old boy it does yeah, and then your face was my face I was like oh okay and again with his whole family so I went to the concert with his whole family and we went out to eat beforehand and the whole experience was very awkward think <laughs> about when you were 15 how awkward you were oh I'm not awkward now what <laughs> <laughs> and I have a 15 year old almost almost I got a 19 year old too but I'm just as awkward wow <laughs> but well, I'm able to laugh about it because oh. I got to see Tim McGraw and it was awesome like the concert was so good but the other thing that made it awkward is we were like our seats were not fantastic seats but they were pretty good seats but his family sat for the whole concert oh yeah. man and I'm just like I want to stand up and dance but uh, this is awkward enough already <laughs> So I have to ask because it sounds like they kind of sound like a very like buttoned up family. Cause this had this been me, I would have made my kid bring you too, only because I'm that dad and I would have definitely trashed my kid the entire time. Like what the hell did, what did you do? What did you do to piss her off? Like, come on, man. Like I would use this as a teaching moment, but then like, I would have had you laughing and him like either really embarrassed or pissed off. It's kind of what I do as a dad. Um, and I would have had, I would have had you in stitches. You'd have been like, I'm coming back to hang out with the family. Like I like I like the parents, but pff, that guy. And I told you, you did a good thing. This is my kid ass. Um, but both of them, both the older ones are. And the one listens to this. I didn't think about it from the parents' perspective though. And that is quite interesting. I don't know what they were thinking. Oh but I just remember he had two older sisters and that really scared me. Cause I was like, I don't have any sisters. And I was like, I don't want them to hate me for breaking up with their little brother. And High school girls are scary enough, so savage. Yeah, they and they yeah, high school high school girls are scary and yes, they don't get any less scary as they get older and more. Right. Sometimes more. So I had a fun Tim McGraw story. I um we went to see Tim McGraw at Allegan County Fair a couple years ago. I saw him twice in like a matter of about uh two years. I saw him with that one and I saw him in the Soul to Soul tour with his wife, Faith Hill which was awesome. And I sat down for that entire show only because I was tired and didn't want to stand up. My wife, however, never sat down and had an awesome time for life. But the Brandon, one at Elton County Fair was- Like Brandon on Christmas tired. Yes. You know, I, you know, I was actually tired, tired. Like I think I had work uh, all day long, but I don't generally drink at concerts. It's too expensive. I'm, and I'm just kind of cheap. Um, and I spent like 150 bucks on concert tickets for that stupid- concert and I, it, it was cool don't get me wrong i've seen a lot of country artists and it was cool to see him and faith i liked seeing him on his own though before at the at the fair it was just kind of fun i like outside concerts anyway but i had walked down to get a beer at Allegan county fair and this dude comes walking by me and he's kind of a shorter guy and he's all of a sudden he walks back behind the bar and they're giving him free drinks and stuff and i'm like who the hell is that guy turns around and I'm pretty damn sure it was a dude that looked like Tim McGraw, but it was not Tim McGraw. However, he had like 20 people thinking he was Tim McGraw. Oh my gosh. <laughs> At some point, I want to be like looking like somebody famous so I can get some free drinks at places, even though I barely drink and I can't eat really anything. But like yeah. this guy probably rolled it. He probably rolled through the $100 easy worth of free beer like by himself and not to mention had like women hanging all over him. And he's like, he was like the save a lot version of Tim McGraw. Like he was the, he was the discount bin version. Mm-hmm. Cause he was about five foot four. Yeah. You he said short. And I'm like, that's not Tim McGraw, but oh. yes, 
Like, at least six foot. He's he's not super tall, but he's at least six foot tall. But yeah, so I seen him a couple times live. He puts on a damn, he did a damn good show. The concert was so cool, and one of my favorite parts was like, so you know how I do like at concerts when when people talk about the songs before they sing them because sometimes you get like the artist's perspective or whatever. But yeah. there was very little talking at this concert, and at one point he just stops and he goes we don't like to bullshit too much. We just like to play music. And then like immediately went into the next song and everybody was like, wow. And it was so like badass. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I believe it too. He is. I mean, when you've been around that long and you've got enough hits to do that, you do you, man. I mean, that's what they're there for. He knows the, the two times I've seen him, he knows like why you're there. He, he hits, he hits all the high stuff. He, he might play a new song, maybe. But he is—he knows why you paid the tickets, why paid money for those tickets. He's going to give you every ounce of what you paid for. Um, and I—I I love country artists for that, for the most time live, because they are like everyday people. They don't just screw off, except for the pretty ones like Luke, Brian. Um, it just is. Yeah. It, but yeah, I pre—I I loved his his thing. So a little bit about Southern Voice. I kind of go into my spiel here. I do the research on albums and things like that. So um, we're gonna go just a little bit on why we're doing Timmy, even though the story was amazing and that was that lived up to that the was that was yeah because you told us you said you had a story that that was perfect. So, so I had to tease my albums and see which one you wanted me to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So Timmy alone, Timmy did his. We're gonna go. He's done sixteen studio albums, sixty-five singles, twenty-five number ones, three Grammy wins. 20 and 20 nom 20 nominations and the Grammy nominations a whole ton of other awards including and I know bullshit you he won father of the year from the national fatherhood initiative in the year 2000 well Steve you and I got those in recent years so I yeah mean, I'm pretty sure yes we we've all won this at some point in our lives if you haven't well, well you're probably in jail you better at least a plastic. Wow. Oh, he got me. He got like you got the that sound on my part. That was like, good. That was when the video comes to this out. Yeah, way to go. <laughs> um, Brandon's gonna get a little cheeky on this one. Apparently, did not know the National Fatherhood in in Initiative was a thing, but apparently you got your award in the mail. Still waiting. No, it might, it's six to eight week delivery. Six to eight weeks. It's, yes, it's it's the it's the wish.com. The, oh, it's the wish version. So it's gonna come in some hieroglyphs or stuff. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, you know, you gotta buy those things, and they take a long time to get there. You gotta print them and everything. He'll probably print his own tomorrow when he gets to work. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Look at me, I got an amazing award. Yeah. Microsoft, like the word art one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'll make him one tomorrow. It'll be oh, a, it'll man. be the full on major award. There you go. Oh. <laughs> He's got ten acting credits, including uh, one of my. Maybe all-time favorite movies, but Friday Night Lights. He was um, in that movie. Yeah, dude, he played the drunk dad. Oh yeah, he was the douchebag dad character, like he Father played, of the Year in that movie. <laughs> he did not win Father of the Year in that one. And then he was on Flicka, which I think was a horse movie. I don't know what Flicka was. And then The Blind Side. So right. him and him and Sandy Bullock playing The Blind Side with Michael Orr, the story of Michael Orr. Um, which I mean. He didn't do much in that movie. He just was the dude. Uh, he was the husband that kind of just hung off the background was yeah. Sandy Bullock's eye candy. Right. Which is, I mean, hey, he's doing his thing then. 
the one thing I was mentioning is that Southern Voice came out October of 2009, which is just about the same time, the same year The Blind Side was actually released. So he's a pretty busy guy during this time. This one's 12 tracks, 47 minutes long. It's hit, it was his 10th of the 16 albums. Peaked, it peaked at number two on Billboard. Uh, it was ranked the 27th top country album in 2009, so after only about three months. And then the ninth best country album in 2010. So it, it, prayed, it was a pretty decent album for yeah. There's three singles. One of them I've never heard of. Two of them I have. The one I've never heard of is It's a Business Doing Pleasure With You, which we're going to get more <laughs> to that one later. Yeah. And then um, Southern Voice was a number one U.S. country chart hit, most successful track of the album. Um, I wonder why. And still was the other one, the other single. Uh, I guess it was released as a single. I've heard it on the radio, I guess. But I've heard that one before. First one I've never heard before. So we kind of got your Tim McGraw story. So before we start getting to our favorites, or least favorites in our Dark Horse story, why this album? So I think because I had tickets to the concert, I bought this album and listened to it a lot. But I really do... I think that, like you said, you like country music, but what the Luke Bryan album is missing is this fantastic storytelling, right? So there's like songs on here that really tell a full story beginning to end. And you can kind of, for me, I always like to picture what the music video would look like in my head with songs. So I feel like there's a lot of songs on this album where I'm like, yeah, I know these people or these, you know, I can picture these people being members of my town. And so, yeah, I really think that there's just a lot of songs that is like the true beauty of country in that they tell a story. Yeah, I agree with that on that regard of it. I mean, we'll get into more of our kind of overall view of the whole album, but that's, that's a, that's a good reason for this. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So Brandon. Yeah. We're going to start with Brandon because I've heard some things about Brandon's taking this album already. What was your favorite track, Brandon? It's one of the singles, Steve. That sure you, it is. It's, it's a business doing pleasure with you. <laughs> you kidding me? No, that's my favorite track of this album. Or it would be. And you know why? I will tell you. Know, you go, okay. Okay, well, like I said, I like to picture these people. And this song always reminds me of a couple that my parents hang out with. So my dad's a pastor, which means you get to hang out with people from like all sort of walks of life, right? And there's a couple at their church who's pretty wealthy. And the husband is like this lumberjack type guy and like would be happy living out in the middle of the woods. But he also plays the stock market. So they're like kind of loaded. And his wife is like always wearing a fur coat, like has little they have like a custom pool in their backyard all these things and I feel like he would sing this song and it mentions like playing the stock market and how he's exhausted by this woman and I just kind of picture them when I hear it I got that's hilarious okay Um, all right you you go you go on why it's your number one because I'm gonna have some questions (laughs) oh oh, you will know you will find out why because I'm not sure you researched this I did my research okay Okay, you did your research because I wrote it so for me, this was the first track on the album that had a quicker tempo, in my opinion, that you can kind of jam mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. a little bit. I think like the play on words is funny. I like you keep looking at me like you're yeah, just like, like I'm no, waiting for what I'm waiting for what I know you're probably gonna bring like the fat like like a cat ready to pounce at a mouse. Yeah, like something about my background. Oh yes, I am ready, set, go. Oh. Who wrote this song? Who wrote this song? Yep. Who wrote it? 
Vanilla Ice. I get one F-bomb, right? Good news. Oh. Chad f***ing Kroger. Nickelback? Yes! Shh. Kids are sleeping. I'm sorry, but yes. Nickelback wrote this album. Wrote this song? He wrote this song. It, it, it sounds... If you listen... No, I, I'm telling you right now. Once you find out that Chad Kroger wrote this song, you're going to listen to it and you're going to be like... That sounds like a country, a twangy version of a Nickelback I'm, song. I'm thinking about it now, and yeah. Well, I'm going to make him listen to it when we're done here, and he's going to be like, oh, man. But yeah, your white boy ass loving some crazy 90s uh, Nickelback. Well, this makes sense, though, because I was a, a yeah, fan of Nickelback. And I'm like, yeah, I see it now. It's like photograph. It's yeah. like he just took some words out and said, hey, Timmy, you were you, reducing you this, and Timmy's like, Oh, you're right for producing song. This is probably when Nickelback was voting for album of the year in Canada. That's true. When they were trying to give him the, the Juno, the Canadian yeah. Grammy that they ended up giving them to, to you know Mike Bubble. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, right? This is okay. So this was my least favorite only because <laughs> it sounded like an old country song, but it was like Nickelback. It, I mean, it had Yes, I think the the lyrics. Um, I'm spending all my money on some honey. Like there's something to prove is probably like he crossed that out of the words for rock star and put it in this song instead. <laughs> yes, he did. And I, oh, I wouldn't, I looked at these songs and I went, I listened to the album and like it, the, the song caught me off guard because it was like, this one doesn't fit. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fun song, but it didn't, it didn't hit me as like a Tim McGraw song. It was like a, it was like a cheap version of like a country song. Like you would try to see somebody try to play off like <clears throat> Luke Bryan, but um, yeah, get there going. And I listened to it again. And I was just like, nah, something's wrong with this one. Like something's not right. And lo and behold, I looked up and I was just like, Chad Kroger helped. Why? But apparently, I don't know. He needed to make some money. Apparently sure. it was a single. I never heard on the radio. You know why? Because Nickelback's kiss of death. It's the kiss of death. Oh, it is. You you bring on Nickelback, and this is in 2009. Nickelback was not Nickelback in 2009. It was just Chad Kroger being weird. That is writing true. country songs. So I don't know if I thought was texting. I was yelling too loud. No. Um. So Jory, let's throw it over to you. What's what was, your favorite? Yeah. Song? What's your favorite track of this album? You're not going to get past it more because that was all I had. This is really really hard. But when I was thinking about it today, the song that I think is my favorite from this album is Ghost Town Train. Um, which is the second track on the album. And I like it because it kind of reminds me of like a Johnny Cash type country where it's like really upbeat, but the words are kind of sad. Um, and, you know, it's it's like Love Lost, right? Which is the classic country song of like, my baby's gone. So yeah. I really like that one. That was my deep cut. Dude, I agree with her. That was my favorite. That was my favorite track. And almost for the same exact reason. It was it was the quick tempo music yeah. with a little bit of that that slow vibe uh, lyrics-wise. Yeah. But it seemed to me like this could be a song when he first started in like 94, 95. Like it could be an old school track, like a throwback to what Tim McGraw was when he first came on because he was very like twangy when he first started. And then in the late, late 2000s and the 2010s, he started hooking up with, you know, not hooking up, hooking up because Faith Hill kick his ass. Um, but he started hooking up with like Taylor Swift and doing some like crazy stuff and doing yeah. more electronic stuff. He went off the rail with just doing like stretching himself all out there, which I appreciate for one. He has a new song out right now that actually popped up on my Facebook today and I listened to it and it's with some like 
younger country artist. I didn't know who it was, but it is basically like a let's unite the world kind of a message. So he definitely does like some weird collabs, but this one reminded me of like the old school country. <laughs> I, no, I agree with you. Like he, he does, he does a lot of that, that weird stuff now, but when you've been around, when you've been around for 20 some years, you kind of can. Right. And you've been this, this, this popular and like this successful, you can bring much whatever you want. So, and he's done that a few times to some have really made it and some not. Right. But okay. So, so we all kind of, cause that was your favorite. That was my favorite. Yeah. Cool. And then, yeah, we, so we know what my least favorite is. Yeah. Clearly. We're going to, we're going to go to you first. So this is your, this is an album you picked and I know picking a, a, a least favorite track can be hard sometimes, but what is your least favorite track on this album? I would have to say my least favorite. I don't know. I have like a bottom three. One of my favorites is um, You Had to Be There because there's two songs on this album that kind of talk about like a father-son relationship and one of them is You Had to Be There and then the other one is Love You Goodbye and in Love You Goodbye which is the last song on the album the father and son like mend their relationship but in You Had to Be There it's kind of just like the son ends up in jail and he's his dad comes to see him and he's kind of like too little too late dad I'm already screwed up. So there's like no reconciliation in that one. I mean, it's sad. So I love a good sad song. But for me, I'm like, he probably could have picked one of those songs, you know. The other one that I just don't really relate to is If I Died Today. What do you guys think about that one? I mean, I didn't really have any any strong, strong strong feelings either way. Yeah, either way. It It was a filler, a filler song, really. Yeah. Like as a 20 something woman, I don't really think about that kind of thing. I guess maybe I should, but <laughs> to me, it feels like a guy in his fifties who's like, what would happen if I died today? Who'd turn off my coffee pot? Like the words are very odd to me. So that yeah. one's definitely like in my bottom too, but again, still a sad song and I love a sad song. <laughs> well, I, I, that one, yeah. I mean, that was kind of a weird one for me too. Just not more of the, the song choice, but kind of the placement in the album, but I liked Love You Goodbye, and again, a lot of these tracks didn't really push the needle for me either direction, except for the one that I already yelled about. Love You, it was Love You Goodbye. I felt like a really good way to end the album. Yeah. Like it was a really, it was a sad song, but the album itself isn't a happy album. I mean, it's not particularly no. happy. There's some high points, but not very many. It's but that I felt like I could I could see both of those for you. They are a very it is a it is a very somber album. What sure. is, so, so what was your least favorite? My least favorite, uh, I chose Forever 17. Okay. It ba- basically because like, I feel like at the age of 31, I was pretty, I'm pretty awesome, but I was not awesome at 17. Like I did not like being the age of 17. Mm-hmm. So why would somebody want that? I mean, yes, I know it's more of like the metaphor, the metaphor of like, we're getting older, let's live like we were younger, I get all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of just being a comedian trying to make a joke out of this. But yeah, so that for me, it just hit a little bit. Maybe if I'm what maybe if I was older, you know, and, you know, whatever, didn't have a podcast, and my girls were all out of the house, and I was by myself, like, Maybe Rachel and I can, you know, for be forever seventeen again and live like we were younger. So yeah. at least for me right now, it just it didn't hit the way that it might other people. I can appreciate that. There's another song on here that's I didn't know it at the time, and I feel like this concept in country music comes up where it's like, 
uh, man, high school, the good old days. And I remember my mom specifically telling me when I entered high school, like, these don't have to be the good old days. It might suck sometimes, but you know, your life is going to go on and there's going to be better times after this. And I was like, thank you, mom. <laughs> All those high school kids that listen to us, and there's a couple, but it does get better. If you're having a shit time, like let it ride. Like high school's not the end. We've all had bad experiences. Well, in I do have to say though, Brandon, I, here's my little feminist soapbox that I'm only going to get on once this album. Country music a lot of times writes about women in a way that's like very two-dimensional like the Luke Bryan album but that Forever 17 song is about a woman who's like maybe in her 30s or 40s and is like you know stuck in her past basically and needs to move on and so it's like a very that one and Good Girls shows a very like three-dimensional view of women and their mistakes and yeah so that's what I do appreciate about it but I understand what you're saying too. Yeah absolutely. Oh dude you're about to get replaced with jewelry. I'm not kidding you right now. Like, oh, you, I'm gonna just upgrade. Oh, oh, okay. Not really though. Not no. no sorry, guys. We're not, no, it's no. Brandon brought me here, so they have her back on. She will definitely come back on. The next time we'll pick the album. Yeah. Um, but uh, something that pushes your edge a little bit there, Jory. That's next time. That's fine. Um, I'm surprised you didn't guys didn't want to talk about Shakira. <laughs> Next time. Yeah, we'll do it next time. Next time. I have no problem with Shakira. But say that sarcastically. My husband hates Shakira and I am a hardcore Shakira fan. So then we need to get both of you on for that one. That's a fun dynamic. (laughs) I love it. I will go, I'll start with my dark horse because it actually is Forever 17. Okay. I guess I am gonna carry the old guy hat because I am the old guy of this group. I'm almost 37. I'll be 37 this year. Yeah. I looked into the the lyrics and kind of I listened to this one a couple of times because this is a deep song this is one that like isn't a surface level song this is there's there's some deep-seated issues along the lines of people who maybe are in a small town and never left um you know Uncle Rico's type of people like I, I was an awesome person in high school like I you know, now my life is shit and I want to be back when I was the captain of the football team and be awesome again. And I'm not from a small town, but I lived a bunch of a lot of small town people that have never left that town. Um, and I know a lot of people that are women and men that are in this song that have been, that have lived this life and still grasp every last little itty bitty thread of what it was like to be 17 or to be high school, to be not have to not have the 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 world pushing down on you so hard and so much to have that freedom aspect of things to just want to sit back have a glass of wine and not think about the soul crushingness of our society and world coming down on you not not that I have that because I am like you I had a really good high school like time I reminisce a lot of things about it Lots of fun stories, usually illegal, but I'm pretty sure statute of limitations is out on those, so we're good. Yeah. It's one of those things where I can relate to that female character because I know a lot of females in my life that are this character. Some that are very close to home, some that are not. Some that I still look at to now, and they're in their mid-30s, and they're still trying to figure out who they are. That's what I'm talking about with this album is like, I feel like I'm at my hometown bar and I'm looking at this woman and I'm like, she's, you know, she wants to smoke a little pot and forget about her factory job because she's sad and she's like stuck in this place. And I, I can relate to it so well just by hearing the song. So 
So I well now I your guys that. are making me reconsider. Well, so it's 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 no, a, it's a surface mean, level. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. you went surface level on it, and I I did. I I listened to it a couple of times because it was it was it was hovering between a least favorite and a deep, and then I was like getting into it, and I started to like really listen to the words and like his delivery of the words and the emotion that's there and i was like immediately you have those moments and you're having to listen to a song and like a person's name pops up or a picture or a face pops up and you're just like like yeah the lady in the bar like you're just like yeah i know that person like i've seen that person yeah so like to me tim does this better than a lot of other artists especially in his heyday because i mean there's there's artists in the same level of his he is like a like a kenny chesney who's just kind of you know country jimmy buffett um <laughs> yeah but he is i love kenny i love him but he is country jimmy buffett and he's cool with that but they, they paint a picture so well that i think a lot of our newer artists some are really good at it others are not mm-hmm. and they just kind of put it out there for music plays you get some artists like chris stapleton luke combs is a really good one at just painting a picture yeah, and like getting that emotional response that I think they're leaning back into some of the, the heyday of when country started actually start to get cool again, because that's kind of on when Tim McGraw came on is when country started to like get away from kind of the really, really twangy stuff and actually get more into popular music again. So I hope it gets there again. We get rid of some of these fools. But yeah, I, I really liked Forever 17. So that was my dark horse. And I know your dark horse was Ghost Town Train, right? Yeah. So Jory, what was your dark horse in the track? What was the one that like stuck out to you that maybe not everybody's heard or needs to listen to? Still, I did not realize as a single. And for me, that one is like a deep cut because I grew up in the I grew up in Fremont, Steve. You grew up in Muskegon, that 231 area code. <laughs> um, but I grew up like in the country. And I like when he's talking in the beginning about like, if you just be still and quiet, you can like hear the train whistles blow and the cotton fields and everything. And it is like very nostalgic for me. Um, but then there's kind of like the building bridge talks about like, you can be in God's presence if you just be still, which to me is like a genius way to put like this is a Christian song without being like overtly Christian, I guess. And um, talks about the stained glass windows blowing, which for me is really special because my dad, who is a pastor, used to do a lot of stained glass. And so my church growing up had these like really cool stained glass windows. And that thought like all you have to do is just be still and be at peace, um, I think is like very emotional for me. And then my other one would have to be Good Girls because of the storytelling where it's like this story of two female friends and the one is cheating on the other with her husband and then they both die. <laughs> I realized as I was saying it how horrible of a song it is. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But again, you can picture the music video, right? Like it's like, yeah. I don't know. She calls her best friend and says, we're going out tonight. And she's like, you can't say no. And then it's like, my husband's cheating and I know who it is. And then she parks her car on the tracks. It's a horrible song. <laughs> I keep trying to justify what I'm saying and I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> now I gotta listen to that song again because I, know, I, I did not get that. Holy cow, now it's like, Tim went dark. Yeah. Like Carrie Underwood dark. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely. I, I got your reference. Yeah, I my reference. Your, Thank your you. Carrie, your Carrie Underwood reference, but he went like Miranda Lambert plus Carrie Underwood plus like whoever else has dated Blake Shelton. <laughs> like dark. 
I know Carrie hasn't dated Blake Shelton, but I it mean, seems she, like that guy's kind of a douchebag and just has this stuff coming after him. Yeah. Because Miranda hates men now. I'm just saying she. Well, she's. I think she's married again, but she definitely doesn't like him. No. Better to me. He's kind of a tool. But yeah, give this one another listen because it's quite the story. And again, yeah, cool. I think maybe the reason that it's my dark horse is because of what I said earlier about just like this two-dimensional view of women usually being in country music. And here's like a story featuring two prominent women. And it's like, yeah, and the words also are kind of feminist in nature where it's like, good girls always walk the line, but when is that line like too far? We have a saying in my house, because we listen to country music in the car quite a bit. We have a saying in my house, like you don't want to ever be on a song by Carrie Underwood or Miranda Lambert. Like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift just might might dish you, but she ain't gonna try to run you over the car. That's true. The other two would. I mean, Randall might shoot you and then run you over with a car. Or the Dixie Chicks. You don't want to mess with them either. Um. So because they will, they have actually they've talked about killing guys. Oh. So, but yeah, there's a couple of them. Great. Um. So. Yeah. Earl's gotta die. Yep. Yeah, you got Earl out there, but I've told Yikes. my 14 year old never want to be in an album with Carrie, and then she's singing a song. I've actually in the car. He's kind of sitting oblivious, and one of her songs comes on, and she's super pissed, and I smack him. I go, "What'd you to piss off Carrie?" And he go, "What? What?" I'm like, "You better leave Carrie alone." So we have that that fun dynamic in my house because he didn't. He's like, "What the hell are you talking about, Dad?" And I'm like, "The song." Yeah. Carrie's mad, but again, father of the year. Certificate's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's in the mail. I'm sure it's it's yeah. gonna get here. Where's Where's Borat from again? Uzbekistan? <laughs> no, Kazakhstan. It's coming from Kazakhstan. We got this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Let's kind of go through. We got to go through kind of our our initial final thoughts on the album, and then rate it. This thing. Brandon, you go first. Sure. So for me, this is actually my first ever album of Tim McGraw that I listened to. Like at all so for me a lot of the songs were just kind of like middle of the road meh to me overall but he is so incredibly popular that this album pushes me to want to listen to other ones you know figure out why people like this guy so much not that not that this was bad because and i think that our conversation tonight has obviously helped me understand a lot more of these songs and see different perspectives. So I appreciate that. And I think this album is a lot deeper than just him putting out another album. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's mm-hmm. more, more to it. My initial thought was, man, I really feel like these songs are just slabbed together so he can put it out to the world while doing blindside so that he's got a movie on one side and an album on the other. So that was kind of like my, like, why did he do this? But after our conversation, that kind of changed my mindset a little bit and changed my ultimate rating of it. Oh, okay. so yeah. So um, I am going to give this guy a six out of 10. Okay. There are obviously better things that he's done, but this, this album wasn't, wasn't bad. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff and obviously we had good conversation about it. So, and a good story from you, Jory. So that was fun. Um, so yeah, six out of 10 goats for me. I'm going to shoot it over to Jory. What are your final thoughts? I guess my final thoughts would be, I think this is an album where, like you said, you kind of have to listen to the songs multiple times to catch all of the storytelling. So I would say if you're going on like a two, three hour road trip, maybe put it on shuffle and just listen to it a couple times. Um, but I'm a little biased because it is one of my favorite albums, but I would definitely give it like an 8.5 maybe. 
Cutting a goat in half. That's that's a Brandon thing there. Am I allowed to? Oh, <laughs> no, you totally can. Yeah, we, we haven't gotten to like thirds yet, but I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, we cut goats in half all the time. Yes, I did. So it works out. So with me, the album's not great, but it's not bad. Um, it's kind of a middle of the road one for me. And the the reason I'm I'm thinking it kind of is the way that is is done. This is because of the timing of it. It's coming out. This is a, an album that he hadn't put anything out recorded wise in three years so this is a there was a three-year gap between uh his ninth album and his tenth album this one um so he hadn't put anything new out he had a couple of movies come out in the middle in the midst of that time blindside was coming out so his stock was rising i think he and his his team and i'm gonna just say faith faith probably made the decision for him that he didn't want to put out something that was going to be too to get himself way too high to be like too off the wall, but also didn't want to put any something that was like bottom of the barrel either. He wanted to kind of go middle of the road. So that's why a lot of the tracks sound similar. They're all kind of in the same mm-hmm. tempo wise. They're all, there's a couple of changes, but not a whole lot of extra music changes. And like musically it plays very similar throughout. It's, it's a lot of a one note track. The vocals are different. In some regard, they kind of go a little higher, a little lower, but not a lot. There's not a big shift. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not getting a, a super high twangy country rocking vibe on any of these tracks, and we know he can do that. Mm-hmm. So he's he stayed kind of right in his wheelhouse, and he stayed perfectly in one lane here. And it, it was a safe thing to do, but to have three singles ish again, I didn't know the first one. The business doing pleasure with you was one. And I knew still, I've heard that on the radio, but that was still a lower one for me. I mean, everybody's heard Southern Voice multiple times. If you've listened to country radio, they play all the time. I didn't really talk about the title track, but <laughs> yeah. He at least hit it like lower in the in the album. He didn't put it out like in the top three. It was like I think That's true. seven or something. Seven, yeah. So um, it's not a terrible way to get back on the scene, to get back into the country scene. And obviously you released it at the end of 2009. It did pretty well in those three months. And then it did really well in 2010. It was a, a kind of an emergence back on like, hey, I'm still here. I can still do this. Like I may not be up there with those big guys right at the moment, but let me get my, my foot in the door. Let me get myself back on the scene a little bit. And then I'm going to start doing some weird stuff in another year. So he did. I mean, he did some some crazy outlandish type things um it's better than any metallica album that's ever come out maybe not okay maybe not any metallica album any metallica album featuring lars it could be it could be better than any metallica i mean they said the black album i'll give him that one yeah you know what he could have did though maybe instead of having chad kroger write that stupid song he could have got lars Ulrich to sign a song and then at least when it sucked He'd have had a reason to blame somebody else because you can't blame Nickelback. You just can't. Right. It's seriously like kicking, like kicking a wounded dog. Chad already looks like broke, like thrift store Jesus. And <laughs> you can't make fun of the candy anymore than what he already is. He's from Canada. He's already super nice about it. He's already forgiven me for making fun of him because he's Canadian. He's hanging out with Mike Bubble. He's probably super upset that Mike won that Juno award and he didn't get it. Well, especially because that Mike Bubble is was a Christmas album. I'm not Mike Bubble. Yeah. Nickelback still not better than the mic bubble, so yeah. it is. It, it is kind of there. I went. I went with a five and a half on this one though. Like it was better than fifty percent, but I felt like if it didn't have Chad Kroger on it, he might have got a six and a half from me. Oh wow! It's a Chad Kroger scale. He lost a goat because of Chad. 
dude, I'm telling you, this, there's going to be a week when he throws an album at me and I have no, no choice of what's coming on. And it's going to be either a Nickelback album or like say anger from Metallica. It's going to happen. He's going to be like, gonna... you're doing this one. And it's going to just pop up and it's going to be like on video. So I can't say no. Right. And I'm gonna, you got it. It's, it's probably like me do a live show and you're just going to pop it on me. Like I had to listen to it during the show. Yeah. yeah. I love the idea that you like force yourself to listen to albums that you normally wouldn't though, because I feel like that's a really good way to like find new music styles that you like. Well, we've, done, we've done that a few times. Well, that's the thing. Steve and I are now pretty big fans of BTS. Yes. Because of it. We, yeah, we, I didn't listen to that episode, but I should. I oh, have not listened to BTS at all either. We, you have to. It's amazing. We fangirl. Like <laughs> hardcore. Seriously. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> You've got two, like, middle-aged, like, chubby guys telling you, like, these crazy Korean pop artists are amazing. But in, I don't even think, like, BTS was one of them. I think, like, me and you did a deep dive into K-pop for, like, half a minute there. We did. It was probably a good ten minutes. Like, we went to, like, I went, like, deep and, like, got to some, like, crazy K-pop artists. And if there were things whole- over, am I going to see you guys, like, downtown at the Van Andel with, like, leather vests on or something? <laughs> I could with the guys in BTS and be that cool. I definitely would. But there would be some yeah. buttons bursting the seams on those. I'll tell you. Those, 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 uh, those... Asian cuts a shirt that won't work on this. There's, there's too much here. That's funny. Um, eventually. I mean, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get a six pack. There you go. Yeah. Get this done. And I still couldn't wear one of them shirts, but I was just going to say, while Steve was talking, I was thinking another really good artist to cover would be Zach Brown band. They're one of my favorites. Oh, they're on my list. Yeah. Steve just got to put it on the calendar, man. They're going to get on there. In an episode. The foundation is my favorite album by them. Well then you know what? Let's Hey, it's going to be recorded. Put it on the list. Put it on the list. You're going to come back on for that one, too. Sounds good. I'm a big fan of Uncaged, but I love the foundation, too. Oh, yeah, that one's good, too. And here I am. And Brandon's this. never listened to any of it. We're going to make Brandon a country fan. <laughs> he, he actually, I'll put this in the pod, Brandon did check out Luke Combs and was actually pleasantly surprised. He told me. Yeah. I'm going to see him downtown with a cowboy hat. <laughs> I- you know what? It would cover up the bald spot, so it would work out well for him. It's true, it would. He's got a big enough dome. He can he can he can get like a big ten gallon hat, like the big get the, the guy in the yellow suit from Curious George. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we gotta get you a yellow suit. Yeah, come on. Uh, maybe. Okay. All right. You're gonna close. So the song. I was close. closing. Yeah. Thanks, guys. No, we're good. So we've done least. We've done our favorites. We've done our deep cuts and dark horses. I made fun of Lars. You made fun of Lars and Bunny Trail a bunch of times. Yeah. So, Jory, we want to thank you for coming on. Yes. It's been a blast. Um, we will definitely have you on again. Um, is there anything, so normally when we have guests, we like to say, hey, is there anything that you um, are, doing? are doing or are a part of, or is there anything that you're seeing in the world that you want to point people towards? So we will kind of give you the floor wherever you want to tell our yeah, ten, you do you. tens of fans. Tens of fans. Thank you so much for having me on, you guys. This was so fun. I was kind of like a bucket list item of mine to be on a podcast. So, and now I'm just going to keep coming back and you are, suggest yeah. albums right at the end of the episode to like leave the listeners wanting more, right? Look at us. <laughs> but um, I, I do have a small gift basket making business. So I do like custom gift baskets. People can tell me how much they want to spend, who the gift is for, that kind of thing. And then I'll put it together for them. And I charge like a small fee, obviously, for doing the shopping. Um, so if you want to follow me on Instagram at gifts by Jory, J-O-R-Y, um, that's where you can find out about that. 
and we will tag that in our in this recording when that comes out. So that'll yep. be tagged on all the stuff. So you'll have that there in the show notes and also probably in the social media posts. Yeah. So we really do appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I like that you hung out with us and um and you know gave me a little bit of leeway to make fun of Brandon. Yeah. Um, and and Luke Bryan and everybody else I crashed on this one. Yeah. Um and I I I very much am it's you're going on the calendar. We'll figure out a date for Luke for Zach Brown. We are gonna hopefully start putting out more albums or more more stuff. Thanks guys. Sorry, you can hear my dog barking in the background now. She held oh, it for no, the that's, hour. <laughs> that's, no, that's totally fine. So before we get out of here, Steve, where can the kids find us? Kids can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter. So the Notesman Goats podcast on Facebook and the Notesman Goats pod on Instagram and the Twitter page. Um, can you find there? Look for the, and it's Magoats, M-C-G-O-T-E-S as there. Uh, look for the uh, little picture of Nate chomping on the record. I don't think you're going to hear Nate in this episode. I was pretty good. Yeah, probably not. So keep an eye out for Nate out there. Um, also, uh, you can find us at the Notes Magoats podcast at gmail.com i'm pretty sure i got that right you did uh look at me and if you want to be on the pod guys we love talking to different people about music and stuff and life and whatnot they make brandon rethink his terrible ideas and it's not just me um (laughs) yeah and they also make me be a better human half the time too because i can't be terrible around guests um because they don't know me very well yeah. Um, or they incite violence like my wife sometimes, but, um, <laughs> going forward guys, yeah. we would love to have more guests on. We are going to start putting out some different things. And, uh, that is a little bit of a spoiler on there for everybody else, but keep an eye out for some more stuff coming out from us. And we will look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Sweet. All right, guys. Have a good rest of your week. Bye. Notes, my goats. Notes, my goats. Notes, my goats.